Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, September 14th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we had a near no-no for JoJo. Joe Ryan, that is. Checking in on some prospects. How are they doing in the majors? We'll do a few grade the seasons for some hitters and much more. But let's jump in. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious. Scotty, we've had a lot happen in the past two days. Where are you going? Oh, yeah. I didn't even think to check Monday for oh, my goodness gracious. Hmm. Oh, well. I'm locked in now, and I'm locked in with, with uh, Farrell Merrill. Farrell Merrill Kelly who had a uh, wild performance, as feral ones tend to, against the Dodgers here on Tuesday. Allowed three earned runs in five innings, walked five. That's really out of character for for Farrell Merrill. And uh, eight strikeouts, which is fine. Allowed two home runs. So yeah, the walks, like I said, out of character, uh, and I and I don't I don't really, I'm I'm not that concerned about them for Merrill Kelly. He was facing the Dodgers. Okay, obviously their lineup is redonk, so it's not surprising that he had a shaky start against them. But this is now one quality start in four for Merrill Kelly. He's kind of sputtering here at the end after a season of of overachieving greatly. And so I was, uh, you know, kind of looking into the underlying stats for for Merrill Kelly, uh, like I haven't in uh, a while, and noticed, you know, the biggest difference between this year and last year. It's not strikeout rate. It's not walk rate. It's not how hard he gets hit. It's just home run rate, and that's even with a you know similar fly ball rate. It's just home runs. He's allowed fewer home runs this year. In a year, you know, we're Talk about it all the time, how home runs are down, dead in baseball, and all of that. So 
that got me thinking, how are things shaping up across the league in September as far as home runs go? And so I pulled up the whole uh, month-by-month home run uh, home run to fly ball rate. Looked at those again. Okay, so in April, remember, disastrous, 10% home run to fly ball rate. Awful. In May, 11.4%. Okay, we're going up. That's a big jump. And uh, it's usual for, for that to increase as the months get warmer. In June, 12.3%. Okay. That's pretty high. Have we peaked? Have we peaked yet for the season? In July, 11.5%. Okay, back down. Again, maybe we did peak in June there. In August, 11% continuing to go down. That's that's even lower than May, actually, August was. And then here in September, 12.8% for home run to fly ball rate. The most homery, homering, homery month of all has been September. And I know that's going to bring out the conspiracy theorists. Are they switching out the ball again? You know, we got a, a home run, high profile home run chase going on. When there's a, a loss of faith in institutions, the, the, uh, the conspiracy theorists run rampant. So that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. I, I, I think most likely it's just been a really hot month of September. It's been, like the peak of summer has been here in September, a week away from fall, basically in in many parts of the country, like California included. You know, we talked about Oakland looking like a launching pad lately. So that's all I think it is. I no conspiracy theory. But I bring it up because Kelly has allowed 15 home runs this season. Six of them have come during that four-start stretch where he's been shaky. So he's he's looked more like last year's Merrill Kelly all of a sudden because the environment has looked more like last year's in terms of uh, in terms of how many balls are leaving the park. So that's just something to think about. I mean, obviously, things it could start to look not like summer very suddenly, and then maybe Merrill Kelly's a great start again. And I'm not saying you bench him or anything, but it's just something to keep in mind. The next question, Scott, is how do we feel about Merrill Kelly's upcoming matchups? Because it looks like he will get the Padres this weekend. So if you play in a weekly league, you're already locked in. But then his next two are both against the Giants, which they've slowed down quite a bit. I, I, I think we're okay kind of leaving Merrill Kelly in for those. What do you think? Against the Giants, and who was the other one? Both two against the Giants. After- yeah, I'd, I'd lean yes on that. Sure. I agree. And I'm happy you brought that up because I saw a Bo Bichette home run on Monday, which was a great in-game sequence where earlier in the game he got like hit on the helmet with a pitch and he was like super frustrated. He threw his bat down and then later on in the game he hits this clutch home run, clutch go-ahead home run. Nonetheless, it looked like he just flicked his bat on it, Scott. Like any other hitter, I don't know if it's just like a Bo Bichette thing, but it just seemed like it was a routine fly ball and it just kept going and kept going. So I had the same idea. I was like, we haven't looked into this in a while. Let's look at offense in September. So I'm happy you brought that up with the home run to fly ball ratio. Slugging percentage is also at 411, which is the highest of any month this season. 1.24 home runs per nine for pitchers is the highest of any month this season. So I think that yep. all just kind of backs up the uh, your thesis there. Yeah, well, it home runs it, it seems up. like a lot of hitters are really hot right now, right? Yeah. I mean, Bo Bichette, chief among them, but also Xander Bogarts has hit four home runs in his past 17. 
games. He has only 14 home runs all season. Four have come in his last 17 games. Uh, Aloy Jimenez is ridiculously hot. Those are the only two examples I can provide at the moment, but it does seem like a lot of hitters are hot right now. Well, what about Aaron Judge? <laughs> he hit two more home runs here on Tuesday. A double dong brings him to 57 home runs. Now four away from Roger Maris's 61 with 20 games left to play in this season. You know, knock on wood, stay healthy, Aaron Judge, but eh, I feel pretty good about him at least matching that record. We'll see if he can uh, break it. Last point on Merrill Kelly. He has made four starts against the Giants this season. He has a 1.27 ERA, and I started him over Alex Cobb in a very important home league head-to-head playoff matchup, and I I feel sick to my stomach, Scott, because Alex Cobb was awesome on Monday, and uh, don't feel great about that. But from one Diamondbacks pitcher to another, my oh my goodness gracious player actually comes from Monday's action, and it's Ryan Nelson with the Diamondbacks, one of their prospects who was not having a good season in the minors at all, but now he has made two very impressive starts at the major league level. He was up against the Dodgers where he went six shutout with six strikeouts. He had 13 swinging strikes on 81 pitches, nine of those coming on his fastball, and he threw that fastball 69% in the start, so really just leaning heavily into that pitch. Averages around 95 miles per hour on that fastball. And now over his first two starts, Ryan Nelson has thrown 13 shutout innings with 13 strikeouts to just two walks. He has given up a lot of fly balls so far, 56%. So based on this environment now in September that we're talking about, maybe that's not the best thing. But he's looked very good, and he's widely available. 18% rostered. Next two starts against the Padres and Dodgers, the first two teams that he's already faced. So... Don't really love that part of it, Scott, but he's looked really, really good. What do you think about Ryan Nelson? Yeah, I'd be reluctant to trust him with those matchups too, but he has far and away exceeded my expectations. I mean, you wouldn't expect a guy to who struggled this much in, in terms of limiting runs in the minors at both a double-A and triple-A. Now, I will point out, double-A and triple-A for the Diamondbacks are extremely hitter-friendly, and I pointed that out when, when uh, Alec... Alec, uh, uh, I'm forgetting his last name. It's not Alec Manoa. It's Alec Thomas. No, the the outfielder for the Diamondbacks. Alec Thomas. Yeah, Alec Thomas. Oh, he said Thomas. Okay, yeah, Thomas. <laughs> when Alec Thomas got called up, I pointed out that uh, those were hitter friendly because the power production um, was uh, pretty impressive for him in the minors, and it hasn't been in the majors. And so maybe. Ryan Nelson was just a victim of that. The fact that he's done it against San Diego and, and, and the Dodgers, I mean, plenty of swinging strikes, throwing plenty of strikes. You know, between the two starts, he's issued how many walks? He's issued... Two. Uh, two walks, yeah. So it's just that those matchups coming up are, you know, especially since it's teams that are going to be seeing him for a second time, that makes me nervous. So I, I think timing is not on Ryan Nelson's side here as the season winds down. But if we're talking about scouting him for next year, I mean, if you just watch him pitch, it, it, it looks like he has one of those fastballs that, um, you know, is not just there to, to, to get him a free called strike. You know, like it, it's a overpowering pitch in its own right. Right, yeah. So I agree. I think he's probably more of a deeper league Add at this point, it's you know if you play in a twelve team standard league, I don't know that you want to or even need to trust Ryan Nelson, but you're right. If you play in a dynasty league, I would say 
you know, you got a spot available, pick him up. Let's see where this goes. Or if you already have him in a dynasty league, let's see what he does. Let's see how he finishes out the season. And uh, maybe he's someone we're drafting next year as well. Some honorable mentions at, oh my goodness gracious, two huge pitching performances the past two days. Joe Ryan threw seven no-hit innings against the... He was going up against... Kansas City. Kansas City. I'll help you City. out this time. Great matchup there uh, for Joe Ryan, who, if you listen to Scott, he said, leave Joe Ryan in your lineups this week for two starts, so I hope you did that. But a little bit surprising. They pull him after seven with the no-hitter hit, intact, and he was at 106 pitches. 110 is his career high. So uh, I kind of see both sides. But anyway, he had nine strikeouts in this one, 13 swinging strikes, and the velocity way up. It was up a, a mile per hour on his fastball, three and a half miles per hour on his curveball. So I haven't looked into that to see if maybe he's doing that consciously. Maybe it's a kind of a new, harder curveball that he's throwing, but that is just... Well, the the changeup was up three miles per hour, too. So his yeah. his second and third pitches, velocity, significant increase in this start, and... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'd like to hear the story behind that. You know, we're, we're so close to the game ending that there, there are no quotes to, to cite yet, but I'm curious what happened there with Joe Ryan. Is, is it something he can continue? And he did do something differently just in terms of his pitch mix. He threw his curveball uh, 18% in the start and that was just 6% entering this one. Uh, it, hadn't, it hadn't been a good pitch for him all season. 381 batting average against, but it was something different. So uh, we'll read more into that curveball and, and see maybe he's doing something consciously uh, different there. That is Joe Ryan. Awesome start here on Tuesday. And then Framber Valdez on Monday. He makes it 24 straight quality starts. This one in style at the Tigers. A six-hit complete game shutout. One walk allowed. Eight strikeouts with 16 swinging strikes on 107 pitches. Someone asked me on Twitter, Scott, why isn't Framber Valdez getting Cy Young recognition? And I didn't really have a good reason. I mean, I guess outside of the obvious, Justin Verlander and Shane McClanahan have also been amazing, but... Val- Dylan Cease. Yeah, Dylan Cease too. But, you know, Valdez is the one who's provided the most volume of all those guys, and he's been really, really consistent, so... Yeah, he's not going to be the Cy Young, but no. he's, you know, they're in a different year, maybe. Yeah, no, he's, he's had a great season. He's, you know, I, I've got I have no complaints about Framber Valdez. <laughs> no complaints whatsoever. Both him and uh, Joe Ryan past two days have been awesome. Let's take a look at some waiver wire pitchers. We mentioned Ryan Nelson, and we'll compare him to a few of these names. Trevor Rogers feels like we talk about him every start out because we want to see something. We want to see if he can get back to the pitcher he was last year. And for the most part, he has looked like that pitcher. So... He was strong once again on Monday. Six and a third, two runs allowed, nine strikeouts to two walks against the Texas Rangers. He had 18 swinging strikes on 89 pitches, and he faded his slider and basically just focused on fastball changeup in this one. Now three starts since returning. Trevor Rogers, 2.98 ERA, 22 strikeouts, over 18 and a third, and uh, he's 74% rostered. So moving up there and you know, could be out there in some shallower leagues. But just comparing him to a few other names, Scott, John Gray made his return at the Marlins on the other side, and he went three and two-thirds, one unearned run with five strikeouts. He's had a good season whenever he's pitched, but you know has kind of been banged up here. Uh, and then Bailey Falter, another solid outing at the Marlins as well. He went six innings, one run, four strikeouts, and in five starts since rejoining the Phillies rotation, 2.47 ERA for Bailey Falter. A lot of really good matchups in there. 
And it sounds like he will make another start this weekend. Zach Wheeler, I don't think, will be ready yet. But after that, I don't know what happens with Bailey Falter. So I guess rank these three, Scott. I'm, I'm talking too much. <laughs> Trevor Rogers, John Gray, and Bailey Falter. I think he just ranked them. Okay. I think he just did. This was the start for Rogers that uh, the one I was waiting for, the one that really wowed me. Because, yeah, his first two starts off the IL were the best two he's had all season, but that's not saying much looking at the his season game log. Uh, this was a pretty tough matchup against the Rangers, and it was clearly the most uh, whiffs he's gotten in a game since returning. And the fastball and changeup both had eight. So that was good to see. So now, yeah, I mean, his best three starts have been since coming back from the IL. Uh, and, and remember, his final rehab start was ridiculous. So I think Trevor Rogers looks like he's back to form. John Gray, I'd have a lot more faith in him if, if he wasn't building up on the fly here. Of course, just three and two-thirds innings in his return. He looked great, but uh, it has to continue that buildup, obviously. And then Falter, he may just have the one start left, and it's against the Braves. So probably, if you can help it, probably not going to use him. Would you take Ryan Nelson over any of those names? Uh, no. Uh, well, maybe Falter but not Rogers or Gray. Okay, and would you drop Reed Detmers for any of those names? Over his last four starts, he has a 5.68 ERA, 1.89 whip. The walks have been a real issue for him. He is down to 68% rostered, and his next two starts are at the Rangers versus the A's. So some okay matchups here, Scott. Would you drop Detmers for any of Rogers, John Gray, Falter, Ryan Nelson? Yeah, I mean, it's just been so long since we've seen a good start from Detmers. I I think his return from the minors has been a net positive and is going to make him draftable heading into next year. But where we are right now, I mean, this, this matchup against Cleveland was supposed to be great. Second worst lineup against left-handed pitchers. And, uh, you know, it was his third start in four, allowing four earned runs. So Detmers is gone. Give me Rodgers or... John Gray instead. Okay. A few other waiver wire names here. Two Chicago Cubs, actually. Adrian Sampson outdueled Jacob DeGrom. What is going on? That's baseball. Susan, six <laughs> shutout innings for him. He had three strikeouts to four walks. Yeah, he continues to walk this tightrope. I, I don't really know how Adrian Sampson is doing it. His velocity was down in the start. Nonetheless, he's having a solid season. 3.48 ERA. Doesn't get many strikeouts, doesn't get many ground balls, doesn't get many whiffs. 4% rostered. So why am I talking up Adrian Sampson? Well, it looks like he's on track for two starts next week at the Marlins and at the Pirates. That is just prime streamer territory. I don't know if we trust Adrian Sampson enough, but those matchups are amazing. And the same thing could be said for his teammate, Javier Assad, who had a strong start on Monday at the Mets. He went six innings, one run, six strikeouts in that one. His ERA is down to 2.53. It's pretty fluky. Don't trust it. His whip is 1.41. He's up against the Rockies this weekend and then at the Pirates next week. So we've got two Cubs here, Scott, with presumably really, really good matchups. But do you trust them enough? No. <laughs> I mean, if it's a situation like we do in a lot of our head-to-head leagues where it's a, it's a two-week scoring period and you can set your lineup each week, like usual, you know, you'll go into the second week knowing how far behind you are. And maybe 
maybe it'll justify you just throwing as much volume as you can at your opponent and 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 using a guy like Adrian Sampson might make sense, but that's that's the only thing I could see. I mean, I guess in a roto league, depending on what categories you're looking to catch up in, but Sampson and you know, usually you think of uh two start pitchers helping you in strikeouts. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case for Sampson and Assad. It's just you're hoping to to get wins from them. So uh, probably not. Well, if there are any two teams that the Cubs might be able to beat, it is the Marlins and the Pirates. So I think in a, in a points league, again, like if you need volume, if you're chasing it, if, if Samson actually has those matchups, that is really, really enticing for next week. Anything on this Pirates pitching prospect, Scott? Luis Ortiz, believe he was just called up for this doubleheader here on Tuesday. A borderline top 30 prospect in their organization. He had a great debut at the Reds. Five and two-thirds shutout. Just one hit allowed. Three walks, five strikeouts. 11 swinging strikes on 83 pitches. He averaged 99 miles per hour on his fastball. Uh, this season in the minors... Not great numbers. Over a strikeout per inning is good, but 4.56 ERA. Uh, anything on him, Scott? Maybe add him in a deeper dynasty league or just pay attention there. Luis Ortiz is the name. Yeah, maybe. I, I think there's some ability here. You're right that the minor league ERA was high, but in the minors this year, Luis Ortiz had through 66% of his pitches for strikes. You like to see that. He had a 14% swinging strike rate. You like to see that. And... um it looks like the stuff reads pretty well. His his last start at AAA, six no-hit innings with nine strikeouts. So mm-hmm. there there seems to be ability here for Luis Ortiz. It's not a high priority to add him even in dynasty leagues, but somebody to keep an eye on. I, I could see him developing into something. All right, let's slide over to some waiver wire hitters. Stick with the Pirates here. Cabrian Hayes showing a little bit the past two days, Scott. I, I know he's mostly been a disappointment this season, but he's got four hits with a home run and two steals over the past two days. He's 73% rostered. They got six games next week. Overall, I don't think I'm looking to add him unless you're chasing steals in a categories league. 17 yeah. steals from a third baseman, that is pretty valuable. He just doesn't really offer anything else. Yeah, and the way stolen bases work, I mean, who knows? <laughs> he could get two more tomorrow. He could get one more the rest of the season, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if, you, if you're chasing steals, then you got to do what you can. I understand. But I, I agree that Kibrian Hayes is not somebody that everybody should be looking to add right now. Oscar Gonzalez, outfielder for the Guardians, stays hot here on Tuesday. He went two for four with his eighth home run. And in 37 games since returning from the IL, he is hitting 297, six homers, 20 RBI. Not hitting the ball as hard as earlier in the season, but he's putting it in the air more, which I I think is an okay trade-off. Obviously, we'd like to see him do both of those things, hit it hard and hit it in the air. But he's 43% rostered. He's got seven games next week. Scott, we talk about Oscar Gonzalez a lot. It just seems like the roster percentage is climbing too slowly. Would you, a few names that I noticed have really slowed down over the past month, would you drop any of J.D. Martinez, Jerickson Profar, Andrew Vaughn to pick up Oscar Gonzalez? Uh, Profar, I'd be fine dropping him. J.D. Martinez, probably as well, though that might be matchup dependent. I'd I'd be more reluctant on Andrew Vaughn. I think he's the most impactful bat of those three. So I'm just 
checking real quick to see what the matchups look like for uh, for Gonzalez next week. You mentioned seven games. He's uh, got the Rangers at the end of the week, so that's those are going to be some pretty favorable matchups. White Sox early on; those could be tough. Just yeah. depends who the exact pitchers are. But uh, you know, certainly in five outfielder leagues, if Oscar Gonzalez isn't rostered already, he needs to be. I can envision some five outfielder leagues, uh, him si- still being available. 43% oh, roster. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's possible, yeah. Uh, just to see on CBS who they have projected for those pitching matchups. Sonny Gray, Dylan Cease, Gilito, Lance Lynn. So, yeah, Cease and Lynn, obviously you don't like to see that. Gilito, not really worried about. Uh, and then the Rangers. So, kind of a mixed bag in terms of matchups for Oscar Gonzalez next week. Some deep league names here. Jonathan Aranda, someone we've mentioned a few times, uh, has had a really good season in the minors for Tampa Bay, and he has now started four straight games for them. Brandon Lau back on the IL, so I think he's going to get some playing time here. He went two for seven across the doubleheader with his first career home run. He is hitting the ball hard. 92.2 mile per hour average exit velocity, but a lot of it on the ground. 57% ground ball rate. He is 4% rostered, seven games next week. That is Jonathan Aranda. Aristides Aquino, the Punisher. He's kind of back. 11 September <laughs> games. He's hitting 297 with four home runs and an OPS over 1,000. 95 mile per hour average exit velocity, just crushing the ball right now. And his strikeout rate is manageable, 24% during that time. Uh, one other name here, Mark Mathias. He plays for the Rangers, and he went three for five with a double dong on Tuesday, including a walk-off home run. Uh, 20 games now he has played with them. He's hitting 298. Five homers, two steals, and a 983 OPS. 28-year-old journeyman type, but he was playing very well in the minors this season. Uh, Scott, obviously very deep leagues here, but do you like maybe adding Jonathan Aranda, Aristides Aquino, or Mark Mathias in some of those leagues? If you're chasing home runs, and again, we are talking about deep leagues. We're not talking about standard 12-teamers. If you're chasing home runs, then Aquino's playing enough that he might be somebody to look into. I'm thinking like, you know, 15-team, five-outfielder league, something like that. Uh, Aranda, um, it's going it's to come down to how much he plays. Like He was a great hitter in the minors and, and rates pretty well as a prospect. Somebody who profiles to hit for average more than power, but not a zero for power. And uh, because he's left-handed, I'm, I'm skeptical the Rays will play him as often as he, they'd need to play him for him to matter in 12-team leagues. But he's he's a player with ability. Okay. Again, that is Jonathan Aranda, and he has seven games next week. Obviously, things can change. They always do. But uh, just forecasting next week, it looks like all seven are against right-handed pitching. So that bodes very well for Jonathan Aranda uh, if you are looking for middle or corner infielder. He has first base and second base eligibility on CBS. So just to some name tough, to look out Some for tough him. matchups going against the Astros and Blue Jays, though. But yeah, we'll we'll see how the rest of his week goes and and maybe he'll maybe he'll be someone worth looking into. All right. Before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone to drop a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen, if you can help us out. Uh, We obviously do appreciate it quite a bit. Somebody recently left us a one-star rating, Scott. Which, If that's your opinion, you're entitled to it, obviously. like Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that much. But they were kind of complaining about the Oh My Goodness Gracious soundbite. 
But then they mm. ended the review with keep up the good shows. So mm. I was just so confused. I was like, do you not like the show? Do you like the show? <laughs> anyway, to whoever left that rating, if you're listening right now, uh, these star ratings actually matter quite a bit. So if you were just joking, please feel free to change that back to a five-star rating because that would, uh, that would be great. And it goes a long way. Let's take a break. And when we return, we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The news and notes. Justin Verlander played catch on Monday and is eyeing a return against the A's this weekend. So, obviously... So, did we just see Hunter Brown's last start? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, I don't know. And we'll get to Hunter Brown in a little bit, but he looked pretty damn good once again against the Detroit Tigers. So, uh, it's a fair question. I I guess they could move Christian Javier back to the bullpen as well, but my early guess is that it will be Hunter Brown. Shane McClanahan is indeed likely to return on Thursday against the Blue Jays. Let's say you play... In a daily lineup league, Scott, are you okay just throwing him back in there? Oh, yeah. I mean, a pitcher that good. Yeah. There, there was no rehab assignment, right? Not that so, I'm aware of. No, I haven't seen one. That's a tough call. Because it's, I'd be, yeah, I think I'd throw him in there in the hopes he eked out five innings and was able to get you a win. Yeah, it's, if you have any kind of start limit, and you have other names that you like, obviously, I would look to bench him. For example, one of my yeah. buddies texted me. He said he only has like six starts left for the rest of the week. And he had some pretty good options. So I, was, I told him, just don't play McClanahan. I, I, he's probably not going to go more than four or five innings. So uh, just, you know, it depends on your situation if you play in a daily lineup league. Zach Wheeler threw a bullpen session on Tuesday and will throw again on Friday. So that, again, leads me to believe that he will not be pitching this weekend. He could rejoin the Phillies rotation next week. So Bailey Falter's two-star week looks to be safe. Uh, He will face the Braves later on this weekend. Max Scherzer is targeting a return when first eligible on September 19th, which is next Monday. And I believe that means he will be a two-star pitcher. So that's good news. Tony Gonsolin wasn't able to throw at full intensity during his bullpen session on Sunday, but he will try again on Wednesday. The Dodgers are still optimistic that Gonsolin will return this season. Ozzy Albies went 5-for-5 five five with a walk-off homer in a rehab game at AAA Tuesday night. He is getting closer to return. Uh, Scott, have you seen anything definitive on what they're going to do with Vaughn Grissom? Are they actually going to try him in the outfield with Ozzy Albies returning? Because I haven't. No, I haven't either. And uh, they actually sat him here on on Tuesday. 
Is it the first time he sat since being called up? They wanted to get an extra left-handed bat in the lineup, and so you know he, he didn't start anywhere. I, I wonder because the Braves outfield is Ronald Acuna has kind of become the permanent DH at this point with his knee issues. So Michael Harris is flanked by nobody who needs to be in the lineup, you know. <laughs> Uh, so it was kind of curious to me that if they if they were going to try Grossman, like maybe this first maybe this game on Tuesday would have been the first time to try him in the outfield. So I don't know. I, I'm guessing he's going to play some outfield, but I don't know. Yeah, it's tough too because he's just been so so good. That is Vaughn Grissom that we're talking about. David Bednar began a rehab assignment at AAA on Tuesday. Could return, I guess, at some point. Over the next couple of weeks, Tim Anderson is resuming baseball activities and could return at some point during next week's homestand if all goes well. Brandon Lau was placed in the IL once again with lower back discomfort. Mentioned that should help with playing time with Jonathan Aranda. Anthony Rizzo will not play until this weekend in Milwaukee at the earliest. Mitch Hanniger may be out until Friday due to a back issue he's dealing with. Tyler Glass now allowed one run over an inning and a third in his second rehab appearance with AAA. He got up to 31 pitches. Obviously, the talent level, Scott, for Tyler Glass now is off the charts. I just I just don't know if he's going to make a fantasy impact the rest of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I'm skeptical he will. Mm-hmm. He's 41% rostered. Obviously, if you're just stashing him on the IL and you have spots available, it doesn't hurt, but I just wouldn't really be ex- expecting much from him. Mackenzie Gore is scheduled to make his next rehab start Friday at AAA. He threw 36 pitches in his last outing. Jake Fraley, scary moment, was hit on the head with a pitch Tuesday, but thankfully is not experiencing any concussion symptoms, so hopefully he's okay. Uh, Anthony Rendon took batting practice on Monday and continues to target a return from the 60-day IL before the end of the season. This one kind of feels like a long shot too, Scott. 24% rostered, but, you know, deeper leagues, you need a corner infielder. I don't know. Anthony Rendon? Third base base has been so weak all year. And and obviously it's different too between a pitcher and a hitter because a pitcher needs time to, to, to build up the innings to go... To be to be able to to go deep enough and do a start for him to factor in fantasy, and I just don't think Glass now has time to get to that point. But Rendon, once he's ready to go, he'll be ready to go, presumably, and I think it's possible he could factor. All right, Hunter Green is on track to return this weekend at the Cardinals. Avisael Garcia was placed in the IL with a hamstring strain. Both Aroldis Chapman and Harrison Bader started their rehab assignments on Sunday. And I've just got to mention it because he's always one of my favorites. Willie Calhoun was promoted by the Giants. Started for them on Monday. I don't believe he started here on Tuesday. I'll check their lineup out. Uh, yes, he did. And he went 0-2, unfortunately. The dream will always live on, Scott. Willie Calhoun. Well, that's not the line you usually use. What's the line you usually use for situations? What's dead like may this? never die. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Willie Calhoun, 2% rostered. And I saw he's available in the Scott White Dynasty League. I wish I had some fab left, man. I I, I would have picked him up. Prospect oh, updates. Waiver wire's closed. You couldn't even if you did. Oh, Scott, if I had money left, I would have picked him up weeks ago, the way I saw oh, okay. him raking down at AAA. Some prospect updates. Uh, Brewers prospect phenom, Jackson Churio, was promoted to AA on Monday, and we had a few of those. Uh, Yankees 19-year-old outfield prospect, Jason Dominguez, was also promoted to AA, which 
Seems pretty aggressive, Scott. I, I know some people kind of soured on Dominguez last year, didn't really perform well at rookie ball. I, you know, he was regarded as like one of the top prospects a couple of years ago. Then he kind of dropped down a little bit, but he's had another really strong season now here at high A, which obviously earned this promotion to double A. So, I yeah, it was only 40 games because he started at low A, but yeah. in those 40 games at high A, Dominguez hit 306 with a 906 OPS. And, you know, it's not like there was a real high strikeout rate or anything like that. So he looks, he, he's only 19 and he's at double A. That in and of itself is an accomplishment. Yeah. I don't think we'll see him next year, but hey, I guess crazier things have happened. Orioles pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez will return to AAA this weekend as he continues to rehab from his injury. Perhaps we see him final couple of weeks with the Orioles. Rangers outfield prospect Evan Carter was promoted to AA, and the Marlins promoted Jordan Groshans from AAA, who went 0 for 3 in his debut here on Tuesday, was once regarded as a pretty high-ranking prospect in the Blue Jays organization. He came over in a trade for... That would have been... I don't know. What trade was that, Scott? With the Blue Jays. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm now. trying to remember. Anyway, Thanks the point is... that one to me. <laughs> the point is that uh, Jordan Groshans once was a prospect, Scott. Is is there anything here with him would you maybe look to add in deeper leagues? That may never die. No. Um, so it was the Anthony Bass trade. Ah, yes. I will say No. Uh, because I, yeah, he was, he did look like a good prospect at one point, but he was supposed to, uh, he was supposed to hit for power and it just never materialized. In fact, it got worse in the minors this year. He hit a total of three home runs mm. in 103 games. So, you know, in, in, in the past during the juice ball year, I would say, whatever, man, he got bat skills. The power's going to come, but I don't, I don't feel so sanguine about that anymore. Can never say never, but Jordan Groshans, I'm, I'm betting against at this point in time. For whatever it's worth, let's say you have him in a dynasty league and you're just looking for the glass half full approach. In 31 games at AAA in the Marlins organization, Jordan Groshans hit 301 with seven doubles, only two homers, and an 814 OPS. So I don't. A 115 ISO. Yeah, it's. Yeah, and especially now playing in Marlins Park, it's how how are you going to get any power out of him? So, I don't know. Hopefully, he proves us wrong. Let's check in and some uh, check in on some other prospects here, Scotty. Gunnar Henderson. We haven't talked about a couple of these names in a while. Uh, he went two for five with a double, an RBI, and a run scored on Tuesday. And now in 13 games played, he's batting 304. He's got one homer, one steal. Strikeout rate looks okay, 22 percent. Nearly a 90 mile per hour. Average exit velocity is fine, uh, but he's hitting a lot of ground balls, 53%. What have you thought of Gunnar Henderson so far? I thought he's been pretty great. I've been happy to have him in the leagues where I picked him up. Uh, I think those are mostly deep rotisserie leagues, so it's easier to get him in the lineup, of course. But there, there's nothing... Nothing... I, I, I don't know. It's, it's pretty much all been good. Could it have... Could it be better? Could he have two home runs instead of one? Sure. But he's he's kept the strikeouts in check. Um, he's played all over the infield. He's going to be triple eligible before the season's done. And I think what's Can't. been most surprising is that he sat out only one game for the Orioles. Because remember, we 
it, they're not going to let him go past 130 at bats, presumably, so he can preserve that rookie eligibility for next year and potentially score them a draft pick. But uh, so far, that hasn't happened. Maybe as they drop out of the race, he'll sit more and more. So if you play on CBS, where it's five games played at a position to earn eligibility, Gunnar Henderson will have third base eligibility starting Wednesday. He played his fifth game there on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, I would love for him to get 20 so that he has it for next season. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, either way, he's going to have third base eligibility this well, if it, it How it'll work if he doesn't get 20 anywhere is it'll just be the position he plays the most, which may well be third base. Let's hope for that, Scotty. Let's hope for that. Tristan Casas went one for three with a sock and a shoe, which you should not expect any speed. In fact, the stolen base that he had here, it was it was a hit and run. It was kind of a busted play, and it was just like a bad pitch that he was able to steal on, but he's not really a fast guy. But anyway, Tristan Casas hit his second career home run off Garrett Cole. That part is actually very impressive. He went, uh, he's gone just three for 24 early on. He's got eight strikeouts to four walks. A 54% ground ball rate and a 46% fly ball rate. So according to Fangraphs, Tristan Casas has not hit a line drive yet, which mm. I don't know if, how much you actually trust that, but uh, what what have you seen from Tristan Casas so far, Scotty? Uh, this is more what I've come to expect from, from rookies, from call-ups in the past couple years. It's just it, it takes them a while to find their footing. And, and sometimes months to find their footing. So I wouldn't panic if you have Tristan Casas in the Dynasty League or anything like that, but he doesn't look particularly usable right now. He is 38% rostered. He does have six road games next week at the Reds and at the Yankees. So if you do have him in a deeper league, those are really good parks for a left-handed power hitter, presumably. Josh Young hit another home run on Monday, and through his first six games, he's batting 250. With two homers and three doubles, he also has 13 strikeouts, which equals a 54% strikeout rate, not hitting the ball uh, particularly hard, and everything is in the air. 78% fly ball rate, 49% rostered so far, six home games next week, Scott. What have you thought of Josh Young? A mixed bag, obviously. He can't continue to strike out more than 50% of the time. Nobody can have success with that kind of strikeout rate, but it's such a small sample that it doesn't mean a lot to me yet. Uh, I would say the fact he's third base eligible and is already having some success is... Yeah, he has a chance to be useful down the stretch. I give Josh Young more of a chance than that, of that than, than Tristan Casas. And if I had already picked up Josh Young, I wouldn't be so quick to move on from him. But yeah, it's not it's not a sure thing with him striking out at the rate he, is, he has so far. Do you think he should be more than 49% rostered? I think so. Third base? Yeah. That kind of upside? Sure. Probably. All right. Corbin Carroll has now sat out two straight with both coming against left-handed pitching. And it seems like maybe they're just not going to play him against lefties. Much like Gunnar Henderson, the Diamondbacks want to keep Corbin Carroll below that 130 at-bat threshold so that he can have uh, rookie eligibility for next season as well. But through 11 games played, Corbin Carroll hitting 275, two homers, three doubles, does not have a steal yet, but he is blazing fast whenever I've seen him run. He does have a caught stealing hitting the ball on the ground a lot. His launch angle is negative 1.3. Um, 
I don't know, Scott, how worried are you about Corbin Carroll just not playing against lefties at all this season? I think there's a good chance it continues. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem to be, he is a left-handed hitter. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a long-term issue, but they seem to be using it as a way to control the at-bats. So Corbin Carroll probably has some utility in five outfielder leagues, but three outfielder leagues, probably not. So let's just say you're playing a matchup, Scott. Three outfielder league, would you rather have Corbin Carroll? I'll pull up his matchups. Or Oscar Gonzalez for next week? What, not knowing anything, I'll <laughs> I'll say Oscar Gonzalez. Let me see what yeah. the matchups look like. I got them right here, too. Yeah, it looks like a bunch of lefties on the schedule next week for the Diamondbacks. So, Gosh, Oscar sorry. Gonzalez. That stinks because I have Corbin Carroll in a few points leagues. And I think if they just played him every day, he'd be fine. But... I, I I get it. Like, you know, obviously they want they want him to be a rookie for next year. So awful matchups too. The Dodgers and Giants. Ugh. All right. Get Corbin Carroll out of there. Uh obviously not in deeper leagues, though. A few pitching prospects, Scott. Hunter Brown, we mentioned him earlier. Another strong outing at the Tigers. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts. He did only have six swinging strikes, so would like to see more there. And uh, 96 mile per hour average exit velocity against. Don't love that. But he has given up two earned runs over his first two starts. That spans 12 innings pitched. And then Ken Waldachuk. I, I just wanted to kind of check back in on him. He's made three starts. He's got a 5.40 ERA, 1.40 whip, almost a strikeout per inning. Uh, he's given up three home runs, lots of fly balls. Swinging strikes haven't necessarily been there. What have you seen from Hunter Brown and Ken Waldachuk? Yeah, launching pads so far there in Oakland. Not not doing Ken Waldachuk any favors. No. It's, he's been okay. I mean, it looks like the stuff is going to play at least. He, he's getting whiffs on the fastball and the slider. And those are good signs. Too many walks, too many home runs. It's his first three starts in the majors. I, I don't think you can use him in fantasy rest of this season, but... Uh, I, I think there's a good chance Ken Waldachuk turns into a fantasy asset next season. And Hunter Brown's been very impressive. He's exceeded my expectations. Yeah, the whiff rate has been a little low, especially considering he was going against the Tigers in this start. But just the the strike percentage has been very encouraging. 70% of his pitches for strikes in each of his first two starts. And that is that's an incredible rate for anybody but particularly a guy whose biggest issue was supposed to be control. I just got to see if he sticks in the rotation. I'm, I, I would bet not, but it's possible. All right, let's grade the season for these four hitters, Scott. Brian Reynolds has now homered on back-to-back days. He's up to 23 homers. He's hit 256 this year, six steals, 62 runs, 54 RBI. The counting stats are obviously not ideal in the Pirates lineup, and you drafted him for batting average, so... Uh, a letdown in that regard. How would you grade Brian Reynolds' season? I would give Brian Reynolds a a C. A C. He's been fine. I, I mean, like, uh, he's obviously been plenty startable. He got off to an awful start, but so did many hitters. But you drafted him expecting him to be to, to stand out mainly in batting average, and he clearly hasn't done that. He's given you enough power that uh, it ha- he hasn't, uh, you know, he doesn't deserve an F or anything. But C's the highest I can give Brian Reynolds. 
Next up, we have Carlos Correa, who went two for four with his 20th home run, and he is hot right now. In September, uh, he is hitting 356, five home runs in OPS up over 1,100. So another one of those hitters is kind of taking off here in September, and he's averaged 2.8 fantasy points per game. That's tied for 15th among shortstops, and he is the 123rd overall player in Roto. How would you grade Carlos Correa's season? I will give Carlos Correa a B minus for his season. Missed some time with injury, as has been the norm for him. And it, it's taken a surge late in the year to bring his numbers up to expectations. But they they're pretty much up to expectations at this point. It's not like he was it's not like he was an early round pick this year. So B minus. Mostly losing a little because of the uh, the 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 time he lost and trying to remember what the injury was here. So he missed time with a finger injury and in about with COVID. Yeah, I think he had a COVID situation. Yeah, yeah. So I have fifteen ish fantasy teams and I do not have Ian Happ on a single one, and I kind of regret that because he's having a a very solid season. He went two for four with his seventeenth home run on Tuesday. Hit it off Jacob Degrom, by the way. Went to uh, he's batting two seventy two. 17 homers, as I mentioned, 8 steals, 66 runs, 66 RBI, OPS up over 800. Uh, he's the 87th overall player in Roto, Scott. How would you grade Ian Happ's season? I will give Ian Happ a B+. Plus. I expected more power, particularly with the way he finished last season. But we're talking about a guy who was drafted pretty late, low level of investment, and has been somebody who's been rosterable all season. So pretty pretty strong grade there for Ian Happ. Yeah, he's going to wind up close to a 20-10-ish and 10-ish player with a batting average in this day and age that actually helps you if you play in uh, rotor categories. So, yeah, I think B-plus is definitely appropriate for him. Tommy Edmond went two for three with two more steals. He's now up to 29 stolen bases for the season. And it's been like an up and down roller coaster. You know, first month was amazing for Tommy Edmond. May kind of cooled off a little bit. June and July cooled off a bunch. And then over the last 30 games, he's red hot again. He's hitting 333 with six homers and six steals during that time. He's averaging three fantasy points per game this year, the 37th overall player in Roto. And that's before these two steals are even factored in. So I think he's going to move up even more. Scott, how would you grade Tommy Edmond's season? I think he's an A. I think he's an A. He's he's managed to increase his power production this year. It's not amazing or anything, but in a year when so many middle infielders have lost power, the fact he's you know, he's now average there in terms of power, I would say, instead of below average while continuing to contribute a, a significant number of stolen bases and the the fact he's multi-eligible, startable at uh Second base, third base, outfield, in addition to shortstop. So th- three weak positions there, and then also shortstop. He's been indispensable, and I think he's an A. He has third base eligibility? He does. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if he recently picked that up or not, hmm. but certainly he has had second base and, and outfield for a while. Yeah, no, I mean, even without third base, second base and outfield have been two of the worst positions, so... Damn, to lock up all yeah, three. He's at second and outfield all season. Yeah, that that's really, really valuable for uh, Tommy Edmond. Let's get into some leftovers the past couple of days. We'll start with the hitters. And on Monday, Mike Trout hit his 35th home run, and he homered in seven straight games. 
That streak did come to an end here on Tuesday, but regardless, seven straight with a homer, 35 on the season. Mike Trout's back. Eh, I think it looks pretty good. I think he looks like Mike Trout. Bo Bichette, I mentioned this earlier, he hit his 24th home run, and then he added three more hits across the doubleheader on Tuesday. Remains red hot in the month of September. On Tuesday, we saw Jordan Alvarez went two for four with his 33rd home run and now has two homers in his last three games, so hopefully heating back up. Adolis Garcia, dream season continues. He went two for two with a sock and a shoe. 25th homer, 24th steal. Garcia is going to be a fun one to figure out for next year, especially in Roto. It's just how early does he go? Is is he a, I don't know, third-round player, Scott? It, it seems like he deserves it, but I I just don't know. It's if not going to be high. me. It's no? not going to. Like, I, think, I am going to be punting steals hard next year because I think there's going to be a lot more of them. And, and we're not going to know exactly where they're going to come from, but with the, the the rule changes, particularly the limited number of pickoff throws, uh, I, I think we're going to see an explosion in stolen bases. And I'm not the only one saying this, by the way. I did write an article for, for CBS that just went up on the site today, kind of, it's a pretty long article where I, I, I kind of examined what, what the rule changes could mean for fantasy next year. And, and my biggest takeaway is, and I've mentioned it on the show here, but uh, democratization of stolen bases um, where, you know, somebody like Brandon Lau could end up with 20 if he stays healthy. I, I think that's within the realm of possibility. And, I, and I'm not the only one saying this. I noticed uh, one of baseball prospectuses writers wrote something very similar today. So, um, yeah, I'm, the, the only reason you draft Adolis Garcia that early is because you think stolen bases are going to be incredibly scarce again, and I don't, think, I don't think that's true. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because Adolis Garcia, he looks like a four-category player. Uh, it's not just steals. He gives you home runs. He gives you runs. He's got 79 runs, 92 RBI in what should be an improving yeah, Rangers with, lineup. With his on-base percentage, I, I wouldn't count on him remaining an asset in runs. And and there's only downside with the batting average. So, yes, power. Yes, speed. Poor on-base skills. And, and is it possible his batting average collapses and, and he just gets pushed out of the lineup at some point? I think it's possible. That's, yeah, it's, that's, it's obviously possible. A, that's obviously a bottom-out scenario, but I think it's possible. I wouldn't want to invest a third-round pick in somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, just spitballing for now. I don't know if he'll wind up that high because, like, does he go in the same round as Michael Carter? Uh, it's it's arguable. It's Michael I don't know Carter. I, Michael Carter, <laughs> man, football has started. Michael Carter, <laughs> Michael Harris is who I meant. But uh, yes, it, uh, Adolis Garcia is going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Eloy Jimenez went one for three with his thirteenth home run here on Tuesday. He has four homers in his last six games, and. Since returning way back in July, and he's kind of been in and out of the lineup, but he's batting 335 during that time, 12 homers, 38 RBI, crushing the ball, hitting it in the air, 17% barrel rate. Yeah, this this is the player you want. It's just can he stay healthy over the course of a full season? That remains to be seen. Kyle Schwarber, this is kind of a fun stat, Scott. He picked up his seventh steal on Tuesday. He now has more steals than Byron Buxton on the season. That's funny. <laughs> Someone pointed that out <laughs> to me on Twitter, so I just couldn't believe it. I had to look it up myself. Some pitching leftovers, and on Monday, aside from Framber Valdez, we saw Tyler Anderson just keeps plugging away. He went seven shutout with two strikeouts at the Diamondbacks. 
He's got a 2.62 ERA with a 103 whip now on the season. And then Alex Cobb was amazing. He shut down the Braves. He went seven shutout with six strikeouts, 18 swinging strikes on 106 pitches. And you don't even have to look at his last 13 or 14 starts anymore. Just look at the season-long numbers for Alex Cobb. 3.48 ERA. The whip is high at 1.27, but up over a strikeout per inning, 61% ground ball rate. He's he's just really good. Uh, anything you'd like to add, Scott, on Cobb and Tyler Anderson? Yeah, I I had uh, Alex Cobb is too risky, I think, for uh, for for anything other than points leagues. And to be a stretch to start him in points leagues, two start week, but the matchups were. Uh, Braves and Dodgers. So so far so good for Alex Cobb, but oh man, I, I doubt I doubt he was widely started. I'm just kicking myself, Scott, because I have him in two different spots in a head-to-head matchup, my home league and Tout Wars, and I didn't play him in either league. I just uh, I just feel so terrible about it. Gosh, no, why did I doubt the Alex? I Cobb? mean, maybe he'll get knocked around by the Dodgers, <laughs> and you'll still be glad you sat him. Uh, we'll see. This was uh, he's he's uh, honestly though, Alex Cobb has been great since his last IL stint, and uh, yeah, that's that's we we thought he was going to be good coming into the season, and he pretty much has been. On Tuesday, some pitching leftovers. Jeffrey Springs with a great start at the Blue Jays. He went six shutout with five strikeouts, including nineteen swinging strikes. On 78 pitches, I kind of wonder if Jeffrey Springs will fly under the radar next year in drafts just because he hasn't really done it before, doesn't have the track record. But, man, all of his numbers this year are just really good. So I, I yeah, thought he, about him earlier. I, I think he's going to be someone I'm going to be excited to draft next year. He and Drew Rasmussen both yeah. are going to be really interesting because do the, do the Rays unleash them next year and, and let them take on a more conventional workload. Cause if, if so, then they could be standouts uh, Springs, especially Springs for the year. Now, I mean, it's easy to lose sight of this because um, you know, so the, the starts tend to be so short, but 241 ERA, 109 whip, 9.6 K per nine and a 13.4% swinging strike rate, which is elite. It's been, there, there's clearly a lot of, a lot of potential there for Jeffrey Springs. Scott, just imagine this rotation next year for Tampa Bay. Shane McClanahan, Tyler Glasnow, Shane Boz, Drew Rasmussen, and Jeffrey Springs. You will be hard-pressed to find a better five than that in Major League Baseball. That's true. <laughs> That's pretty That's awesome true. stuff. A few other standouts from Tuesday. Sandy Alcantara turned in another quality start. He was up against the Phillies. He went seven innings, two runs, four strikeouts in that one. Alec Manoa, another day, another quality start for him. He went six and two-thirds, two runs allowed with five strikeouts. And I do have a few others, but I'll, I'll save those. Anything, Scott, on these two, Sandy and Manoa? Um, not really. I mean, Sandy's been kind of shaky recently, so it was nice to see him bounce back, obviously. Mm. But I was never entertaining the thought of sitting him or anything like that. Yep, agree. Good to see. Jacob DeGrom looked somewhat human, and I say that in a game where he had 10 strikeouts. So up against the Cubs, he went six innings, three runs allowed, 10 strikeouts to zero walks, 24 more swinging strikes, and through eight starts, he has a 201 ERA. I 
I am just astounded every time I read out his stats. A 0.57 whip. <laughs> it's just like, it's something you get from one of the best relievers in baseball, not a starting pitcher. 73 one. strikeouts to four walks. 73 to four. That's not normal. 21% swinging strike rate for Jacob deGrom. And then two others. Clayton Kershaw went seven shutout with five strikeouts at the Diamondbacks. You Darvish was fantastic at the Mariners. He went eight shutout with seven strikeouts himself. Uh, you know, three middle to older age starting pitchers just looking amazing still, Scott. They are. Three awesome starts for Kershaw since returning, and I would say he's must-start in fantasy moving forward. And uh, you Darvish has ended up putting together a really nice bounce-back season. Wasn't sure it was going to happen for him. Yeah. But er it has. Early on, definitely was skeptical. And I think there was reason to be skeptical, but you know, really after the first month or so, Darvish has just... What was what was off. his ERA in the second half last year? It was over six, right? Oh, I, I had him in a few very important leagues, and, and he was unstartable towards the end of last season. Yeah, it was... Uh, I thought I had it right here. So yeah, 616 Ugh. in the second half last year for you, Darvish. So, yeah. um, and considering he's 36... You know, a lot of people thought it was the end. Clearly not. Clearly not. The call to the bullpen. The Rangers on Monday, Jose Leclerc struck out two for his fifth save. Remains widely available if you need saves off the waiver wire. For the Pirates on Monday, Will Crow pitched the final two innings for his fourth save. And then on Tuesday, with Crow likely unavailable, Dwayne Underwood Jr. picked up his first save of the season. For the Cubs on Monday, Brandon Hughes gave up a run, but recorded the final five outs for his fifth save. And he pitched the ninth inning again on uh, Tuesday. Uh, he's just a guy. Like, they are not using Rowan Wick at all in high-leverage situations, and rightfully so. For the Giants on Monday, Camilo Duvall was unavailable. Left-handed pitcher Scott Alexander recorded the final four outs for his first save of the season. For Tampa Bay, Pete Fairbanks recorded the final four outs on Tuesday for his seventh save. And I believe he's widely available as well. Scott, would you rather have mm -hmm. Fairbanks or Jose Leclerc if he needs saves? Well, Fairbanks does have three of the Rays past four. But we know how the Rays are. I, I think if if it's just if it's just saves you're looking for, Leclerc is going to be the better bet to finish to, to have more from today forward, just because you can't be sure Fairbanks is going to get all of the Rays, but Fairbanks is a better pitcher mm -hmm. and will probably have better ratios. And if you play in saves plus holds, just pick Fair P Fairbanks up because yeah, he is agreed. an elite reliever in that format. On Tuesday for the Astros, Ryan Presley struck out the side for his 27th save. For the Phillies, Sir Anthony Dominguez pitched the eighth inning once again. David Robertson pitched the ninth and picked up his 20th save. For the Orioles, Felix Bautista... Looks healthy. Hopefully he's fine. He struck out two for his 13th save. For the White Sox, Liam Hendricks picked up his 33rd. For the Red Sox, now Matt Barnes pitched a ninth inning in a tie game. Now that's the second game in a row that he has worked behind both John Schreiber and Garrett Whitlock. It would not surprise me if this just kind of flips on a dime, Scott, but if you're playing in a deeper league, I think Matt Barnes might get the next save opportunity. What do you think? He might. I think if I had to have one Red Sox reliever, it'd be John Schreiber, actually. But it's it's. I think it's still pretty messy. Yeah. 
you probably want to save those Red Sox relievers for uh, saves plus hold leagues as well. But the problem is the Red Sox don't really win that much. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes pitched in the ninth inning and then started the 10th with a three-run lead. He hit a batter, struck out one, and then Wandy Peralta relieved him, got the final two outs for his fourth save. For the Padres, Josh Hader gave up a hit but struck out the side for his 32nd save. And what do you think, Scott? Is it just Josh Hader's job again? I think so. But is it is it striking out the side if you allow any base runners? Is I th- that I think so. I yeah. I feel like I've heard that before. He, yeah. Well, they when you record all three outs no matter what happens in the inning, they say side retired, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, so I, guess, I guess it would be striking out the side. I yeah. guess so, but this this is a debate I've seen before and like striking out the side sounds like a really impressive thing, right? So if somebody yeah. gives up four and runs but gets three stri- four <laughs> four runs in the inning but gets three strikeouts, do you want to say he struck out the side? I don't know. No, you probably obviously don't. that didn't happen with Josh Hader, but yeah. Why would you even phrase it like that at that point, right? Like Josh <laughs> Hader gives up four runs but strikes out the side. I, I think you yeah you probably just shut it down after the four runs, right? It's, it's a good point. Yeah. I, yeah, not not one that I've thought about. To stream or not to stream for Wednesday, Rowanzi Contreras at the Reds, Nick Lodolo versus the Pirates, Tyler Wells at the Nationals, Drew Smiley at the Mets, Brian Bayo versus the Yankees, Zach Greinke at the Twins, and Dane Dunning versus the A's. So according to Wikipedia, striking out the side refers to when a pitcher strikes out all the batters he faces in the defensive half inning in which he pitches. So... So all the batters he faces, that means if yeah. you allow a base runner, then that shouldn't count as striking out the side. According to Wikipedia. Yeah. Which is not the most authoritative source. But anyway. Uh, okay, Wednesday. Stream or not to stream. Nick Lodolo against the Pirates, of course, of course. And that's all I really want to do. Drew Smiley at the Mets could go okay. Dane Dunning against Oakland could go okay, but Nick Lodolo is the only one I'm excited about. Man, Thursday is not looking too good here. I'll just read it off, but just to let you know, Scott's not going to see it. It's, a, it's a very small slate. So. <laughs> uh, JT Brubaker at the Mets, Daniel Lynch at the Twins, Dylan Bundy versus the Tigers. No, he's versus the Royals, excuse me. And then Madison Bumgarner versus the Padres. No. <laughs> Don't no. do it. And I agree. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 